Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, everybody. It's Stephen and Jonah. And Brad, we are here at Going Off Track. Well, we are here doing Going Off Track. We are at the place that is called Rubber Tracks, Converse's wonderful recording studio that Brad makes very popular and very fun for everyone who comes by. We are doing our glorious podcast. This is episode, shit, I don't know, 20-something. Brad, you can... No, this is th- probably thirty something. No, th- no, we just went live with our thirtieth th- one. So this is like this 30. is going to be like the thirty fifth or sixth that we. Thirty fifth. We're in the thirties. Let's we're just, just in our BSing you. This is. It's up there. We don't know what's. We've going done on. a few, and we'd like to say we're more organized than we are, but we ain't. But to get the business out of the way, uh, it's holiday season. So if you're going to buy something, why not buy your friend? A fun subscription to our podcast by donating money. Click our donate button and throw in however much dough you think we are worth. Sarcasm duly noted. If you want to comment about us, please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash going off track. And please check out our wonderful website where you can see pictures of all the guests. We like to put up fun, high resolution photos of the people who hang out and talk with us here. Uh, Today's guest, Justin Skirty. You might not know Justin, but you know every band he has worked for. Yeah, it's really funny because, like, uh, my you've roommate, seen him. You've yeah. seen him around. My, ro- <laughs> my roommate is really good friends with him, and we were. I was like, I need to book someone for the podcast, and Justin is just always around, but I never thought about it. You kind of take him for granted because he's everyone. I was like, oh, wait, like I can just text Justin. That dude is the most interesting guy. Like he's done everything, but it's just like uh, I can't believe it took us this long to to make this happen. But he has the best stories. And we have so many fun moments together where I've just been at shows where I'm like, oh, and Justin's there, you know, and he just knows he's in a band called Primitive Weapons. He's in a band called I Hate Our Freedom. He has teched guitars and drums for many of your favorite bands, including Taking Back Sunday. He's done uh roading stuff at Madison Square Garden. He just he talks just haphazardly during the podcast. Oh, I just did a gig at Letterman. Yesterday. He's just that guy. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and he owns a bar called St. Vitus uh, here in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, that is solely responsible for destroying Jonah's ears almost irreparably. Yes, it's a loud show there, but the bar is amazing. And I think that's only a testament to their sound system. And I want to thank my roommate, Emily, for helping make this happen also. Yeah, um, your new roommate. My new roommate. You moved again. And hopefully the third and last time in 2012. That would be great. But um, yeah, Justin's bar is amazing. So if you're in Greenpoint, you should... Go there, try the pickle back shot whiskey with the pickle juice. 
Really? Razor. Yes. Or don't try that. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I love pickles. So when I wasn't drinking, I... And you love whiskey. So this <laughs> and I is love the whiskey. greatest thing when, ever. When I was training for the marathon, I would go there and just do <laughs> shots of pickle juice because it's so good. And I would just say, I don't need the whiskey. Does it does it specify what pickle it's from? Like, is the gherkin it, juice They get it from different? like Brooklyn Brine. They get it from like a boutique, like local pickle company. I think I met this dude. I think I met him at a wedding. He's, the, he's like the Brine. pickle it's guy, one of, right? It's like a local, it's really high quality local stuff, I guess. Pickling is an art. It is. Literally is an art. I've been doing it to my liver for years. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the park. <laughs> Set it up and over the wall. Um, so you haven't talked about this, and I think you need to do it. You just kind of swept it under the rug. But you hurt yourself at a show at St. Vitus. It's not the bar's fault. It's not the band's fault. It's not anyone's fault. You always have earplugs with you, and you got to go see... Descendants in Hot Water. I didn't wear earplugs, and then my ears were sort of ringing the next day, and I was like, that's weird. And then a couple days later, and I was like, wow, it's like way louder than normal. And now it's been probably like two and a half months, and still is there. It is? Yeah. It's not as bad, and I don't notice it all the time, but it's if I'm in a really quiet space, like I meditate a lot. If I'm in a quiet room meditating, it sounds like there's like a TV on or something. Oh, God. And it's just one of those things, man, where I was online obsessively researching it. I went to the doctor, and that's one of those things where it's like either it's going to go away or it isn't. And you kind of, I've been doing acupuncture and breathing, and it's like it it helps and it's just one of those things where breathing helps everything yeah it's just one of those things where it's like you have to one of my teachers at yoga was like you need to stop i was meditating with music and stuff he's like just listen to it let it kind of become a part don't fight it and once i kind of took that attitude on like this is just something that's a part of my experience it's you know like think of it as like a mantra think of it as something like that it it's so much of it's based on your perspective on things i guess and, and at least it was your favorite band. Yeah, and it was my favorite band. And it's like, <laughs> to be honest, like, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, it's, it's, you know, stuff happens, you accept it. And it, to be honest, like, 98% of the day, I don't notice it, you know. And it, it'll dissipate the more it happens. Yeah, but, and it's, but it, it will stop better. and it won't go anywhere. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, but, um, but yeah. But so there's a real lesson here, which is, you know. I'll, I would say always wear earplugs, like, and it's. Uh, well. No. That's a lesson I would impart. What's your lesson? We have a lot of, probably a lot of young listeners here, and I don't want to lead them down the wrong. Obviously, don't wear earplugs because if you don't have them at one time, then you're going to get tinnitus. So that's So you are saying (laughs) train your ears to endure the pain. Don't wear earplugs to begin with. You might might be right. I'm I'm absolutely joking. (laughs) Wear fucking earplugs. It's precious, precious. Trish can't hear the television. We watch a show. She's no, like, what did they say? Her ears are ruined. She never wears them. And she's and been to more shows than all of us. I don't have tinnitus, but I should. And I have plenty of friends who do. I can't so believe you don't. I do have. My hearing is, is definitely poor in certain situations and especially in noisy environments. What? <laughs> I can still thank God. I can still like, you know, in a studio, I can still hear everything. I can still mix. I can hear all the frequencies. But in like an a loud room, people talking, it's difficult to pick things out. So, like a podcast where four I, people are discussing. I do yes. have damage. Well, this is a great segue for Justin <laughs> Skirty, who uh, plays guitar and works with guitar players and everyone else. And his stories are awesome. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface with him. No, we'll have him back. It's around. So anyway, Justin Skirty, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm good. I don't know how to introduce you because you're in bands, you tour with bands, 
you own a bar, you've worked in bars, you've, you can roadie tech every instrument. I saw you once from the nosebleed seats on stage at Madison Square Garden behind a drum kit, helping out. Doing all sorts of things. So. It wasn't help. It was work. Yeah, I got oh, paid for that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was like I'll do it for this amount of money. Exactly. Uh, so that that's where that's where I'm I'm torn. Like I don't know how. I, I want to say jack of all trades, but I seem like that's limiting. I feel like you do way more. You just made me. You just made my head this big. <laughs> that's how um, I like to start <clears> things <throat> off. Yeah, that's great. I'm like, I'm blushing. Like, I feel really good right now. So let, let's go. I came to- in like, why do they want to interview me? This is ridiculous. I'm just like some dude that serves him drinks once in a while. Did, well, because uh, the Primitive Weapons is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Great band. Um, I hate your freedom. I haven't heard enough to judge, but I'm assuming I'm going to like it because everyone in the band I think is cool. <laughs> it's I hate our freedom. Oh, damn it. See? I hate... I hate my own freedom. I don't hate your freedom. Oh, really? Unless we're together, then I hate our freedom. <laughs> <clears throat> Keep it collective. <laughs> so let's begin with wh- what do you say you do? Uh, you know, it, it depends on what I'm doing today. Uh, like yesterday, I uh, yesterday I was a guitar tech. Yesterday uh-huh. I was a guitar tech for Divine Fits. I did a David Letterman show. Randomly got called out of nowhere from a friend. They needed somebody. I was there. Today, uh, I don't know what I'm doing today. I had some Primitive Weapons emails this morning, so today I play guitar for Primitive Weapons. I walked into St. Vitus to get some cups, so I own St. Vitus. A St. Vitus where all the bands play after everywhere else closes? Yes. It's so awesome. It's pretty rad. It's, it's just, uh, it's sort of just, um, it's just been my dream. You know, you go to a show, and you're pumped up to see this band, and you get there, and there's like, you know... When we go to shows now, there's so many people, and it's like, you wind up talking business half the time, and it's like, you kind of, it, it's a bigger venue, usually the bands that we like now. It's like, I want to see them back, like, when I saw them at CB's, or I saw them at Bond Street, or I saw them at Wetlands, or Coney Island High, so, they're like, hey dudes, you want to come back and just play for us? And then they come. What I think is so cool about Vitus is, I feel like... You guys actually did it where it's like you should be like, we should open a bar and have a venue in it. And then like it never happens. Like it seems like that's so much work. And it's like how did how long was it kind of in the process before it happened? I mean, how did it kind of materialize? I mean, <clears throat> Artie and I have been friends since I'm 13. I'm 36 now. And, uh, you know, I've toured with him so many years when he was in instruction and ever type 11 Godfire's man gave for Johnny Depp, <clears throat> like I was always there. And we'd wind up just staying up all night, drinking, hanging out, be like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we opened up a bar? Because like you get to like LA and the bar closes at two. You know, you get to London and the bar closes at one. And, um, you know, we, of course it was when we'd be in New York at Little Frankie's until like six in the morning. You'd be like, oh yeah, man, let's open up a bar one day. We'll play black metal the whole time. It'd be rad. And then... um one day out of nowhere, when I was working at number seven, uh, Tyler called me up one day. He was like, hey, come check out this space. And I just thought he wanted me to check it out because uh, I knew the neighborhood. And I get there and he's like, yeah, you could do this and you could do that. And I was like, okay. And then after we, we left the place, he's like, you still want to own a bar? So right away I called Artie. I was like, I think it's going to happen. And it was literally that quick. Wow. Like it was in a matter of a day. 
I mean, I mean it, took, it took a process to actually get to where we are now. But, I mean, it was we got very lucky, you know, just being around the right people. And uh, it was just sort of a dream that, you know, drunken late night dream. And it was just like, wait, we can actually do this. I mean, Refused played there. Refused didn't play there. No, where'd they play? They played... Your, they played a Europa. Europa. Oh, what happened? Weren't um, they supposed to play? They were supposed to... We had them scheduled to play yeah. after the Waterfront show. Right. The Waterfront show got canceled. Oh. And, I mean, there was like 5,000 people there ready to see Refused. We're a 200-person space, you know, like mm. it's... We couldn't take on that show. Like, doing the secret after show mm-hmm. was one thing, but to do right. the replacement show, was that was too oh, much God. for us. But Hot Water, Descendants, Hot Water Descendants, Reason. Yep. Hot Water uh, Descendants, that's a very famous show because that, it destroyed <clears throat> Jonah Bear's head. <laughs> Did it really? My ears are still ringing for It looks show. good. Your head, Thank you. I mean, you got a haircut. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was exploded. <laughs> uh, that, that was... Uh, that was a very special day. I mean, that was like one of the biggest days of my life. How do you step back knowing this is your joint and just look and see what you have bequeathed to the music world when you have descendants in front of you playing at your bar? I mean, there's, it's, it's humbling. I mean, I'm still, I don't take it for granted. I mean, I'm still just a little, you know, hardcore kid that enjoys doing this every night. Like, this is fun for me. It's not... It's at times where I don't even, like, it doesn't seem like it's a job. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, I own a bar. It's cool. Yeah, you know, ordered some beer today. No big deal. But uh, Descendants are going to play tomorrow, so I'm stoked for that. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I'm still, like, a kid in 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 an adult world, I guess. Like, well, let's go but, back to the, let's go back to the kid part. See, where are you from? I'm from Queens. I'm from Queens, straight yeah. up. Okay, so... Uh, from Queens. Now, was it you had aspirations of being in a band? Did you want to be in a band? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in. My parents are really young. Um, my dad is like twenty years older than me. My mom's nineteen years older than me. She's not nineteen now. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be, <clears throat> and amazing. <laughs> uh, all my uncles, you know, are younger, and aunts. And uh, I grew up in a Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones house, Led Zeppelin. There was no Beatles played. You know, it was just like, that's what I grew up on. I knew heavy music, and I had some... My dad rode a Harley. My uncles rode Harleys. You know, we weren't like a biker family, but it was like... I was brought up in the right stuff at the right time. (laughs) And then um, I just... I was just always... I got into... fourth grade. I'm going to say that's somewhere around 1984. And uh, my buddy Eric Rannigan comes in. I don't ever remember being friends with him before this day. I mean, I knew he was in my class, but I don't remember, like, actually talking to him. And one day he just shows up outside school, and he's like, hey, look what my uncle gave me. And he gives me a cassette, and it's Slayer, Hella Waits. And I'm like, oh, whoa, this looks nuts. It's like a horror movie. And I put it on the tape deck, you know, and I listen to it, and it's just like the first song is... um, Hella Waits, I think it's the first song. Um, and it just like comes in and you hear like Satan's voice and it's just like all this weird noise. Like, Hella Waits. And it just kicks in. It's just like blew my mind, changed my life forever. <laughs> Fourth grade. <clears throat> I went home. I told my dad I liked Slayer. He went to the record store and got me every Slayer record. No <clears throat> he brings me back. Best uh, dad ever? Yeah. 
He brings me back raining blood. Scott, you know, like this really awesome photo of a Satan type person on it. Heads in blood. And I open it up and it says test press on it. I didn't know what a test pressing was. I thought it was like a duped copy of a cassette. So I was like, oh, man, he got ripped off. Like this record store is just like making copies of these records. <laughs> I had no clue. My, my dad bought me vinyl because that's what he listened to, vinyl. He's like, oh, no, you don't want a tape. You want vinyl. All, all vinyl all the time. I'm like, Dad, you got ripped off. There's a test pressing. Like, this is, a, this is fake. Like, if I put it on and it's, you know, it's the record. I'm like, all right, well, the record's still there, you know. And then uh, years and years later when I got into hardcore and I found out what a test pressing was, I was like, I have a rain and blood <laughs> test pressing. You still have it? I still have it. Oh. Nice. I've played, I mean, I could probably never sell it because I've played it so many times. Right. You know, it's not like it's a mint Where condition. were you when I sold my Cure test pressing that I didn't realize what that was? Sold it to Amoeba Records in L.A. You're welcome. <laughs> Damn it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right, so uh, your dad's awesome. Got, by, wow. My, my dad tried. I, he came yeah. back. He, he got me Quiet Riot, Metal Health, and uh, Born to Run. So I guess he did okay. Yeah. You know, I got the cocktail soundtrack. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good though. Kokomo, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, nice. some jams on it. So, um, so how did sort of <laughs> is the coconut song on there? It's my new favorite song all summer. What? Uh, Which one? Put the lime in the coconut. Uh, no, that's Henry. That's, that's Henry Nielsen. That's yeah. not on the cocktail uh, soundtrack. It should sadly. be. It, it would fit on yeah, that soundtrack. If I put out a cocktail soundtrack for Saint Vitus, that would be on there. <laughs> There's nothing like seeing a bunch of burly metal dudes. Um, drinking pina coladas with that song on in St. Vitus. <laughs> it's been done. I'm sure it has. Kind of back that. <laughs> so how did kind of Millhouse come together? I mean, had you played in a lot of bands before that? Yeah, or? I mean, I, I was playing in, in the city, and I grew up in the Bond Street cafe scene, which was like all the Wreck Age Records bands, Still Suit, uh, Mind Over Matter, Bad Trip, Yuppa Side. And then... Um, that sort of scene had a lot of Long Island rooted in it with Mind Over Matter and Artie Shepard. <clears throat> and then I guess it was like around college, I started going to Nassau Community College in 1994. And the New York scene started getting really weird. Um, everyone started getting really into drugs. Um, I never drank. I never did anything. But I never called myself straight edge either. But you, I have, just, but I, you have exes tattooed. Yes. Well, it wasn't until I got old enough to really sort of find my place in the world mm -hmm. and uh i just didn't drink because i my mom would kill me <laughs> like she would know if i drank and i would get in trouble like i have italian parents like they they were really cool but they still would have beat the crap out of me if like where I they came from? home drunk where uh, originally from bushwick and then moved to okay. queens wow yeah straight up italian new york straight up that's crazy you don't see it often here it is so yeah, it was, that was that <laughs> and was, i don't have blown out hair <laughs> And when you so when you worked in Little Frankie's, you were like, no, do it this way. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. They, I mean, we we had a pretty good. I mean, my cousin, who comes from the same family as me, <clears throat> was there, and Frank comes from mm -hmm. the same type of family, so that's why we all get along and we're so, still friends. So that so that joint for those of you who haven't been to Little Frankie's in New York or Frank or Supper, you know these places that the food is ridiculous and it, it'll ruin you to a lot of good Italian places. Is it legit? Do you consider it legit? It's definitely legit. <sighs> There's, he's got a new so one happy. now, Sauce. And yeah, uh, Sauce, is, sauce is my favorite right now. And uh, 
he just went to Italy. He's doing he's doing like a, a television show, and he's like all about truffles right now. <laughs> I'm following him on Instagram. Sorry, Frank, could get really annoying because he's just so many updates, and he writes he writes like stories on each photo when you're only supposed to put like a few characters, like <laughs> like truffles stoked. He puts like. <laughs> This is a truffle from so and so, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. But you learn so much reading that, and it's it's a really fun way to learn about food. The unknown chef. When you worked at Instagram. Little Frankie's, it was one of my favorite things. If you were there when we decided to eat there, because a dessert would appear, and it was wonderful. <laughs> that is amazing. I was like, ah. Oh. It's a pizza, but it's got strawberries in it and Nutella, and I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm going to start crying. The little meatball oh, so, pizza. Yeah. That's, that's so you're the second employee we had, because we had on Ryder from Vox, who works at Frank. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dude, sponsorship. I've been, you know, I've, I don't get to go out too much, but yeah. I do, I've been going to Sauce a lot. Yeah, That's where Frank's that been out. hanging out, so I try to go and So when did Millhouse start? Millhouse uh, <laughs> started before me, Long Island Hardcore. I happened to start going out there because... Uh, I heard, you know, they, they started, bands like Lincoln were playing out there, and there was just this whole scene that was more into, like, the Born Against, Angel Hair, Gravity Records type thing. And I go out there to see, like, Bloodlet and all these bands that weren't really playing the city unless you went to ABC No Rio. And everyone was getting into drugs here, and I found out this whole, like, straight-edge scene out there. So I started going out there, made all these friends, uh, helped open up the PWAC which was a venue that we had Fugazi play at uh, back in 1995. Right on. Um, <clears throat> Refused played there on their first New York show um, with Snapcase. It was just sort of like the place to be. And uh, Artie Philly and Brian Mean were involved. And I loved Millhouse because they were gravity. They were like riding on that Born Against thing so good. And um, they uh, they lost... First, they lost their guitar player. So Brian Meehan asked me, he's like, hey, would you want to play in Millhouse? And I was like, yeah, definitely. So we got together and he taught me the songs. And then he he uh, called me up because you didn't text or email back then. You actually speak on the phone, which seems so foreign now. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, dude, uh, I got good news and bad news. Good news is you're in Millhouse. Bad news is the drummer and bass player quit. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we found a new bass player, new drummer and we started a whole new band and then started writing obscenity in milk and then i left in the middle of the recording why'd you leave long story well <laughs> um it was just i don't know it was mm-hmm. tensions mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you, can, the, you can always say and it works great band stuff and that always um i'd like to uh plead band stuff <laughs> band stuff works because band stuff, I think everybody's been through it. Yes, <laughs> and it, and it and it's it, as I always say, the Beatles broke up. They can't keep it together. <laughs> I just no, it was just a weird time. Like I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was trying to sort. Like I was, I'm finally stoked. I'm in a band. We're going on tour and stuff. But I also got a girlfriend for the first time in my life, and uh, I was also just easy to make fun of, and I took it rather mm. than kind of fighting back because i was like happy where i was and i didn't want to ruin that place in my you know in 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 my group and uh eventually just boiled over got it i love Artie philly though yeah 
It happens. You just define band stuff. Yeah. It works. It works great. Okay, so you're done with that. Now, uh, had you always been playing guitar? Did you yeah, I started else? playing guitar around uh, 10, 11 years old. And did you take lessons? or just I took lessons. I took lessons in Queens from a guy, Rich Adams, long-haired metal dude. Taught me all the stupid basic stuff, and I hated it. <laughs> but um, one day I, I was like, I was like, hey, do you think I can like learn how to play like a real song? He goes, yeah, bring in a, in a tape, you know, a mixtape of what you want. The first song on it was "Ain't Talking About Love." Nice. Van Halen is the first song I ever learned on guitar. It's a pretty good song to learn. It's an A minor chord. It's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> so, so when did you start kind of doing? The setups and teching for bands. I mean, did that just come out of touring? That kind of just came out of playing guitar my whole life and um, m- most of my life. Diffuser. Uh, I, I I started going on tour with like um, Silent Majority and even Millhouse when I was in them and Indecision and all these bands. Like you would just get in the van. You know, literally that is a real saying. You just get in the van and you go and you hang out with your friends and. They're like, oh, I broke a string. Can you change it while, you know, we're still playing the song? I'm like, yeah. And, you know, you just, nobody knew what a tech was back then. It was just punk rock. And then I remember Diffuser, they were on Hollywood Records. They had a big hit on the Mission Impossible soundtrack. And uh, my buddy Peter called me up and he was like, hey, do you know any guitar techs? And I was just like, um, yeah, me. And I just became a guitar tech, just like that. I didn't really know what I was doing. I knew how to change strings, and then uh, gradually over the years, you know, going on tour, you just meet other guitar techs, and you see what is actually needed, and you start learning how to do full setups, you learn how to, you know, fix a headstock, little by little, you just keep, I'm still learning. Um, the, thing that, uh, the thing that freaks me out, especially on the level you're at now, doing big shows, like, what happens when, like, just something isn't working and like everyone's just looking at you and like the whole show stopped and there's thousands of people like that to me is why I like wouldn't. say you gave someone a guitar without a strap <laughs> I, I heard this because i just recently listened to i didn't realize tucker was on the show by the way yes so and i got a bone to pick with you i did not throw you into a wall at the united nations you, show you knocked me into a wall at united nations and show. i'm not 45 like tucker says and i don't pit I might have got a little excited. Maybe I've been knocked into a. I've been knocked by you three different times. <laughs> All right, United Nations, and it was awesome because it was a pit that happened. It wasn't someone going form a pit, which always annoys me. And, and of course, the person knocked into me I was like, "Oh, hey, Justin," you know, and it's like knocked into, into a wall. Uh, other time was hot snakes, and that was more of a jostle by. Okay, and then uh, a hard rock cafe, last rocket from the crib show. Which was a joyous embrace, actually, is what happened okay. out in front of the pit. Yeah, that show sucked. Yeah, it wasn't their best one. No, no, it didn't sound good. 2013. I can't. I'm Jonas sent yes. me the link. It's I'm yeah. so excited. And I think it's going to be Adam too. Yeah, from what I from what I understand. Ah, <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So without a strap, I heard that story. Yes, that's. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a really that's a, it's kind of a big deal. No, it was, he was like, "This doesn't have a strap." I was like, "All right," and I just walked back, put a strap, came back. I mean, yeah, certain bands you can get away with that. And Thursday, they were great guys. I love yes. working for Thursday. I've worked with them so many, so many years, and that's how Tucker and I are best friends now. I guess it's ridiculous. Um, it's a really stressful job, but there's like the, the the excitement of getting the work and you're like all right i'm gonna go on tour for x amount of days or even just be like i'm gonna do letterman this week and then you're doing the emails back and forth with the band and the management it's a lot of fun it's like that part i'm great at right and then 
there's the night before the show and you're just like you start getting this like little pit in your stomach you're like oh my god this is gonna be the most stressful day ever and you can't sleep and then you get get up early in the morning it's always early in the morning you got to do these things i don't get up early in the morning so you're like why do i agree to do this you get your work box and you get there and then whenever you meet a local crew it just automatically puts you at ease because they're you know they're going to be jerks <laughs> um <laughs> local crews are always jerks but they if they're a good local crew, you love them. Um, and then you just you just fall right into it. And everything's going really good. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm winning at life right now. Like, this is the best day ever. And then all of a sudden somebody says, there's no strap on this guitar. Or <laughs> my B string is flat. Or they just give you a look and nobody's going to be able to see this. But they're like... <laughs> you know, and uh, you're just like, uh, uh, what did I do? And then you get that pit in your stomach again. You start sweating. You start running around. But after doing it enough times, you sort of just realize that's part of it. And an hour later, all that's going to go away. And you're going to hug the person that yelled at you. And you're going to go have a beer later. And you're going to get on the bus or go to the bar for the after party. And everything's going to be awesome again. Yeah, well, without the stress and pressure, it would get boring. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it really would. Um, there's shows where you know you're doing a week long of shows and you did nothing. You changed one guitar and you're just like, "Well, that was a great paycheck, but that was boring." <laughs> you know, and it's it's kind of fun. Oh, I'm going to jinx myself. It's kind of fun when you have something to do and like something breaks. Yeah. What was it like working on Letterman? Because imagine you have to show up and deal with their guys too. Is that what you meant by the local crew? Their local crew is awesome. Um, it's all local one. Um, they're hard teamsters. You're yeah, not yeah. allowed to carry anything. Mm -hmm. They've had the same people working for them for like the last 20 years. I know a bunch of, like, I know of, I know a fourth generation local one guy. Yeah. Like legitimate. His great grandfather started the healthcare system for local one. Uh, like, I would love to bunch, get into that. Tough bunch yeah. of dudes. But they're sweethearts at the yep. same time. <clears throat> and uh, on Thursdays, they do double shows at Letterman. So uh, Donald Fagan was there. Um, I showed up at 6 a.m. for Loden. I, I go to, like, the Ace Hotel. I grab, like, the guitars and everything from, you know, these dudes sleeping. They they have the life. And I'm, like, the guy, like, up in the morning, like, lugging guitars around. And as soon as I get to Letterman, they won't even let me carry them in. Mm -hmm. They bring them in. Uh, and they've been there since 2 a.m. Because Donald Fagan had just, like, full orchestra and, like, they had they had taken all like the drum rises and everything, so we're like, I've got these carpenters like building me things on the you know on the fly to like hold keyboards and you know they have no clue who the Divine Fits are. They all know who Donald Fagan and Stanley Dan are, so they're like taking care of them. And then when it comes to me, they're like, oh, what do you got going on? But they you know they do it. It's their job and um, it's fun. It's a lot of waiting around because it's local one. They have. Lunch breaks, mm -hmm. coffee breaks. You're not allowed on stage at certain hours. Jonah's heard me yell at a TD about local one and me screaming like, come on, it's five minutes. Did Seriously. I, did you guys have that sort of crew over? At Fuse? Yeah. Yeah, it was local one. And they were great dudes. And we that only happened towards the end because things had shifted and there was a different director. But... Everybody was cool. And if you're cool, they're cool. And they loved us because we would notoriously start way late, which they liked, and always ended early. Because that's just, yeah. you know, I, I, if you can do TV that way, it, it works out yeah. well. But so you, so you did Letterman, but uh, I love how you just got into this because you got in the van doing it. Because I remember, if you're, it, it seems to me if you're a good tech, 
that you would be lumped into, well, I'm a guitar tech, you know, I'm a bass tech, I'm whatever. But you've done drums. How did that happen? Uh, I needed a job. <clears throat> when, um, when I was with the Fuse, I wound up sort of tour managing as well. So I started putting that under my title. Mm-hmm. And then when I went out with instruction, um, I went out originally as just a guitar tech. And then in the middle of a tour, we fired the tour manager and I jumped right into tour manager. And um, I did that. But with a band like that, that didn't really have enough money to hire a full crew. And we were doing, we were doing stadium tours with like Korn and Lincoln Park who had like full, you know, like mm-hmm. 10 person crews. So I was sort of doing everything because we had a short amount of time. So I'd be putting the drums together. I'd be, you know, setting up the bass stuff. You know, it wasn't just guitar, you know. And then I'm like, you're learning how to stage manage. You're learning how to production manage. And, you know, it's just like I said, when you're around it enough, you just learn. And, uh, you know, I've been around drums my whole life, like in bands. <clears throat> you know, you watch a drummer open up a drum stand. You know how it goes. And when you get to a show late because there's traffic on the you know, Cross Island Parkway, you know, going to the LIE and then you get to the venue and like all you have to do is plug in your guitar, you help the drummer and you just like start setting up the drums and here's my question. I've always wanted to ask this. If you're so you're you're with the band, you don't they don't have this bigger crew as say Lincoln Park or or Corn, you're on these tours, right? And so you have to run around and do everything. At what point does the guy who plays the drums say, Well I'll come help set up? It's when you start doing too much for him that he says he's not gonna help. And hmm. it's that sort of that thing where you don't want to sit around bored, so you kind of enjoy doing work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you just work Monday through Wednesday doing it, and then on a Thursday, you're like, well, why am I doing this? Like, he's the drummer. He's not paying me. Like, you know, I'm not getting paid double salary to do this and that, <laughs> you know. And then you say something to somebody else in the band and be like, oh, cool. You know, like, Joey's not going to do this today, or I Tucker. guess. Or t- <laughs> I should have just went straight for Tucker. Uh, oh, cool. Tucker's not going to do this today. You know what? Tucker will not let me touch his drums. Not because he doesn't trust me, because he doesn't want to be that guy. Really? I believe Tucker's that. Tucker's like the hardest working dude. He's like, yeah. he he will, like, they've hired me where I was the only tech, you know, and I'm like, like oh, no, no, dude, I got it. I got it. He's like, dude, bud, hang out. Like, just let's, I got this, you got that. We'll go get some beers after. It's cool. Yeah, that's what I do when I go on tour with them. I, I'm like, I'm not going to help with anything. I'm just going to hang out and drink beer. Yeah. You get at it, too. It's a yes. good, someone needs to be there to do that. Yeah. yeah. All that beer is not going to drink is that, itself. Is that a union job? <laughs> it's not. I'm working on it. <laughs> if you guys want to start a union. <laughs> beer drinkers union? Yeah. There's a story that Parliament had a, a joint roller and he was on stage. I have no idea if this is true, if I just made it up in my head, but I'm pretty I sure that it's true. That his <laughs> job was to roll the joints to so just make sure they were there and ready. Wow. For whoever was... There's a story that the Mighty Mighty Boston's had a guy on stage who just danced. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great gig. <laughs> but boy, is it tiring. you got to be a good dancer, though. See, I don't think you dance. actually do. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're in the union. <laughs> so, you know, there's so many times where, like, you know, you're on these bigger tours and, like, you know, you're hanging out afterwards and they come up to you, like, kids come up to you, like, oh, can I have your autograph? And you're like, you don't want my autograph. I, I was just on the side of the stage with, you know, tuning a guitar. Like, no, no, but you're with the band. Can you imagine me and the dancer? Like, he's probably so stoked to, like, be like, oh, yeah, I'm the dancer. Here's my autograph. Like, how do you live with yourself? <laughs> 
That dude's totally going to find me now, isn't he? This is on public. He's probably going to be like, I've heard it all before. Give me a hug. Yeah. Oh, wait, you got you on St. Vitus? Shoot, we'll be there. <laughs> that will be amazing. So how did primitive weapons start? Wait, let's go back. Well, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, I hate our freedom. Yes. Primitive weapons. Yes. I hate everyone's freedom. Um, obviously, everyone kind of has other bands. I mean, how does this work for you? Is it like when everyone's around? Is I mean, scheduling your life must be... It's horrible. It sucks. Yeah. Who's in each band? Um, nobody's crossed over except for me in the, in the two bands. Mm, right. Except Scott Weingard, who plays bass in I Hate All Freedom, and now again in Texas is the reason. He's, uh, he's like a really famous vegan chef, and he's been opening restaurants around the country. Um, he's been living in Santa Monica for the last two months. He opened up a raw vegan vegetarian restaurant in uh, santa monica called uh make m-a-k-e i don't know what it's an acronym for but uh obviously not any food if it's raw (laughs) (laughs) there you go but he um so he's been away so when he's away we asked eric from primitive weapons to play drums i mean to play bass so they asked to cross over but eric is in the wanted with tucker so when they're both away, then we go to our first bass player, Scott Patton from Pilot to Gunner, and Aram, who plays drums in Primitive Weapons, to fill in. And we're screwed if they're gone. <clears throat> and, and then as far as Primitive Weapons goes, while Eric's away, then we're kind of just sitting in limbo. Maybe you can get Jonah if, they, if they're away. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'd have to practice a lot more. <laughs> it's not bar chords and detu- open detuning. Uh, just listen to a lot of Jesus Lizard. You'll get it. I can do that. So, and I Had Our Freedom is, yeah, so it's confused. Tucker it's Scott. Tucker Scott, Joe Grillo. Okay. Um, from Garrison and me. Right. Now, how did these all form? Was it all from teching, from friendship, from, hey, we all like this, let's do that? A little bit of everything. Um... I met Joe originally because he was in instruction. He was the only dude in the band I didn't know. And, um, <clears throat> we, you know, we were just touring the country, like, nonstop, back and forth, back Who's and forth. Who's the singer in instruction? Artie. Artie, Artie. okay. So Artie. he came on Fuse once, and I think I interviewed yes. him. During, would... It was during the Republican National Convention. Yes. He came and it was out. chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he, he missed the best night of tour because he left to go to New York to do that show and we just ripped. It was like it was like one of those magical moments on tour. You were like, "Oh my god, that was the best night of any tour I've ever had," and he missed it. And he had to like fly like a red eye to come to you, and then he had to fly a red eye to come back to us. He was so pissed. Were you partying at the convention with? Um, no, we were like Jimmy Carter. I think we were. We were somewhere. It was the Republican National Convention. When it, when it, it was when it was across the street at Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that ever happened. When and was that? This was uh, Bush versus Kerry, and it was... It had to be like 2004. <clears throat> Four? Wow. Uh, yeah, and it was very stupid because the, the, the um, apes running fuse at the time... <laughs> Uh, as opposed we're to... We're totally going to get another show there, by the way. I know. Subsequent apes. No, no, trust me. I know. I know. <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> we did everything possible. Uh, they were asked by CNN, hey, can we rent your space across from the studio, across from Madison Square Garden and shoot there? And then went, no, we'll do something. So what they did was four hours live every day of me talking shit about Republicans. 
And it, getting phone calls from my mother saying, please stop it. You're very biased. This isn't cool. <laughs> and then he came on and yeah. he had a George Bush doll yep. that I had up at my desk being sodomized by a Sid Vicious doll. <laughs> so I brought it down and we had a little doll that fight. Really happened? <laughs> yeah. what? In real life? Sid Vicious and George Bush sodomy? Uh, yeah, posthumously. <laughs> Which is a, always a fun word. And then I, for the life of me, can't remember where you and I met. But I just remember knowing you. I, oh, you know when we actually met? I was working on the um, Strike Anywhere. That's it. Uh, video with uh, Christian Winters. That's exactly where we met. Yes. And I was, I had done a few videos with uh, Christian, and I was shooting that and sort of helping art direct it. And you happened to, I guess you were friends with them, and mm-hmm. that's how we met. Yeah, I went down to hang with the band, and it was for Infrared, I think was the... Yep. yep. And then Darren from Jade Tree came down and hung out. Yep. And he and I have a, a very good mutual friend from school. Uh, so we just chatted and chatted and chatted, and it was just like, you know, every how I meet everybody. Oh, you like this band? Oh, let's talk for four hours. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Loads of- and I think it was because, you know, J-Tree was there, mm-hmm. and we started just connected on all of that stuff. Yep. You were already, at, were you on mm-hmm. Fuse at that point already? I was at Fuse there, but it wasn't the Untitled Rock Show hadn't started then. Right, so. it was the the other one. Whatever. There were so many of them. Yeah, there so were. I I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I recognized you at that time, and then when we actually connected, I was like, oh, he's not so much of a jerk. It's true. I do have that persona on yeah. television. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> You have to be enthusiastic. I don't mean to. My wife, year- my wife thought the same thing. I think her 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 phrase was when she first saw me on TV was like, "Who's this tool?" <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but uh, it was years later when I realized you were on my favorite television show of all time. Oh, Buffy. Oh well, yeah. yeah okay. That one we can talk about. Yeah. yeah. Are oh, you Cal- on others? If it was California Dreams, then I'd be very, <laughs> no, very no, upset. No. I'll never forget like rewatching an episode of Buffy. Like I'm I'm a big Buffy fan. I haven't watched it in a while, but. I remember going back to like season one and like rewatching the entire series, and then all of a sudden, like you pop out from a computer, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's Steven!" <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, "What?" And I'm like rewinding. I'm like, "Look, that's Steven." She's like, "Who?" I'm like, "Untitled Rock Show." And she's like, "Oh yeah, he's got long hair and surfer dude accent." <laughs> How many episodes are you? Were you I only did two, okay. and I didn't have a surfer dude accent when I got cast for that. Oh. It was a fun audition process because I auditioned for the the show. And it was a character that ended up going to Eric Balfour. And the way the pilot was set up, it was he was going to be a series regular, but then he becomes a vampire and he gets killed Mm -hmm. and Xander's the dude. So I auditioned for it. (laughs) Total nerding out right now. (laughs) Totally nerding out. So, so, oh, you are. Yeah, for Buffy. Yeah, it was fun. It's a great show. So I auditioned for it. I didn't get it, but they liked me. So I got to go meet Joss Whedon. And I went to his office and he's this guy just playing a piano and being very silly. I thought he was just cool and fun. And I was like, this this will be cool. So they gave me that role, two lines. Go in and do it. I'm there for like eight hours and sitting in a trailer reading comic books because I would be doing that anyway. <laughs> and we do the line. And then the episode airs and it's not my voice. And they had <laughs> overdubbed my voice with someone else. Because really? I remember sitting there going, uh, I know I've got the long hair. Do you want it kind of surfery? And they went, no, no, no. Just talk like you. And I went, okay. So then when it came out, they did that. Then four episodes later, they called me back and said, uh, we're going to give your character a name. You're going to be on the show, like as a, so not supporting, but guest star, mm-hmm. you know, just under five lines every once in a while. You're going to be one of Xander's buddies. And uh turned out I was on an episode that featured music from Far. 
There you go. It was really funny. <clears throat> and uh, they dyed my hair a bunch of different colors, and Xander got to throw hot dogs at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, very, very nerdy. Yeah. And then, then that cash director got let go, and they never called me again. <laughs> but I did get a check just this week for 96 cents. 96 cents. <laughs> nice. What, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe invest it. Maybe just hold on to it. <laughs> I remember Millhouse used to get checks for like three cents. Oh, perfect publishing. I mean, that's better than most rock bands now. That's yeah. true. <laughs> and we were like... Nothing. No, I never understood how. I think it was a collective three cents, though. I think that was three cents split between the whole band. (laughs) Be sure to register with ASCAP or BMI in order to get your three cents. (laughs) What's the other one? CSAC. CSAC. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm BMI right now. Wow. Yeah. BMing right now. Never gotten anything. (laughs) One day. Maybe that. I mean, how long ago was that? Was that? Early mid nineties, so you just got to yeah. check now. So I'm I'm doing like 2024 for a check. Yeah, you think, get your three cents. I think last year I made 114 bucks in residuals. <laughs> Bargain. You're doing good. All right, so uh, you did you drum teched for drum teched. for taking back Sunday, correct? Yeah, I wasn't my first drum tech gig, but yes, I did. But that one was Madison Square Garden. That was I mean that was I toured with them for close to two years. Um, was it just drums or do everything for them? It, it it kind of switched back and forth from whatever was needed. Um, it was a weird period in Tigamex Sunday's mm-hmm. history that isn't talked about anymore. Was that with Matt Father? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we, Eddie and I are, are best friends. You mm-hmm. know, I've known yeah. Eddie since I'm like 16 years old. And uh, he's just like, oh, yeah, you got to come on tour with us. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Hire me. I'll, I'll be there. And it was just a comment conversation that was going on for years and finally one day he's like he's like no 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 we're really gonna hire you you're gonna be my guitar tech i was like cool stop talking about it do it so and then i get a call from uh jillian Mm -hmm. and and she's like hey you know we want you on the crew can you do this this that the other thing i was like perfect so i show up to the first show which was at the crazy donkey because it was like this sort of secret like introduction to matt Mm fozzy show on long island and uh i get there and there's two other techs too, um, Ray and Billy, and Ray's still with them, I think. And uh, they're the guitar techs because they've already been working with them. They're like, "Oh no, you could do drums, right?" And I was just like, "I guess, <laughs> you know, like I've done it before, but like this is sort of a bigger gig, you know. Like I'd, I'd done like We Are Scientists before that, oh, and wow. um, which was tune, also a bigger. Can you tune drums? I can actually. That's a um, it is I think I can anyway. No one's ever <laughs> no one's ever said I can't. Do you use a tension watch when you I do? I don't. That's I don't good. like those things at all. They're, they're not accurate. They're not. So I just you know you yep. just you just got to hear it, and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like knowing. I'm not going to nerd out on it. You can nerd out. I, I'm a <laughs> That's terrible the drummer. Whole point of this is to nerd out. But it's you can, just you, you can cheat with drumming. You know, if you stick your thumb in the middle, and yeah, tighten it, and then like, that's how you do it quick. Yeah. No, I um. I had fun with it, you know, mm-hmm. and when I did it with Taking Back Sunday, I definitely had a lot more time to do it. You know, being a headlining band and getting there at 11 in the morning and having a full day to set up drums and having a band that had enough resources to keep getting new heads so that, like, I was changing heads, you know, quite mm-hmm. often. And, I mean, Mark beats, like, yeah, he beats animal. Really hard. So, 
constantly. Did he have to set up the click track? Because he told me he played with a click. Yeah, he played with a click. We had a, a little sort of Yamaha, uh-huh. I think it was called Mr. Beat or whatever. So I would set up the clicks and okay. the, like every show we would just sit there and be like, okay, what do you want? You know, I, I can't think of a Take Em Back Sunday sh- song right now. I'm going to see them tomorrow. All right. Um, <clears throat> Are they going to play songs I'll tell all your friends? Yeah, that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> It's it's a it's the ten year anniversary. The tour, They're doing the whole thing. That's me. Oh, cue that, it out Let's say cue it out that, That's me making fun of Jonah, who every day on on Thursday's tour would text them, "Are you going to play Understanding in a Car Crash?" Cue it out the. So he would just be like, uh, "Let's play that at." I don't know if this is accurate. Let's play that at one eighty two today. So I'd be like, "All right," and the rest of the band be like, "No, that's too fast." He's like, "No, no, trust me, trust me." Mark wants to play everything faster and louder and bigger, which is awesome. And uh, so I would just set it up, and like I'd be in the dressing room and set, you know, you set up this little Mr. Beat thing. And, and then, so that just means that's how fast it's going to count off? It's going to be, uh, that's beats per minute? Yeah, or? beats okay. per minute. Okay. So um, we get to, it's, we, uh, so then come to the show, basically I would have to sit there and click to the next song. There's better ways to do this, but this was the way that they have done it for so long, and, you know, I just learned how to do it. And you just like click to the next song. And there was times where I'd have to like run upstage, go like untangle Adam's cord or something, or like he jumped into the crowd and I have to go get him. And then they're ready for the next song, but there was nobody there to click to the next track. So Mark couldn't do it unless I clicked it. There was a few times where like he would try to do it without me. And then I'd come running over, realize I didn't do it. And then I'd click it over, but it would be off to what he already started. It's one of those times where you're just like, oh, my God, my stomach's hurting again. Why would I do that? But then afterwards, you all hug and have a beer, and it's all good. <laughs> I love that's the end of it. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories from you was two years ago, not even two years ago, because it was a week before my children were born. It was South by Southwest, and we met. I was just literally sitting, you know, eating food, and here comes Justin with a guitar. It's like, what's going on? Going to Austin? It's like, yep. What are you doing? Like, I don't know. Playing some shows, managing a guy. Like, everything that you do, you were doing all of it in over five days. There's some guy you were managing. Some people were helping out teching. Primitive Weapons was playing. Um, I Hate Those Guys Freedoms was playing. Um, All this kind of crazy stuff. (laughs) You know, we do have a new record coming out. Oh, really? This is probably a time to, like, say the name correctly. (laughs) <clears throat> I hate the, our freedom. There's a new record coming out. <laughs> yeah. The label's going to be so pissed. Like you, you lost the opportunity. You let Stephen make fun of the name. <laughs> no, no, that's how people are going to remember this. I'm making fun of me screwing up the name. Um, yeah, that's that was a fun weekend. Yeah, totally just ran into you in the airport, uh, eating food or having a beer or something. We sat down, waited. We were on the same flight, and I put all of, and I put all your food on Chevy's expense account. Yes, you did. It was actually just one beer, but <laughs> yeah, well, I had to. <laughs> Isn't that all your food? And then we <laughs> we shared a cab mm-hmm. from the airport to somewhere downtown. Mm-hmm. And I was I was playing guitar with both bands. I hate our freedom. I hate our freedom Very and good. primitive weapons. Um, primitive weapons played with Pentagram at the Scoot Inn, which was huge for me. Like playing with Pentagram, like who gets to play with Pentagram in two thousand and eleven and two thousand twelve? Um. Well, I guess everyone now because they started playing shows again. <laughs> but um, back then it was pretty sick. And then I was I was also tour managing A Track at the time, mm-hmm. 
which is the best gig I've ever had. Because you were like, uh, oh, yeah, well, Kanye is going to do a show. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. I know the DJ. Whatever. I'm like, good God, every, you have connected to everyone. Yeah. But do you remember better part of that weekend? Mm-hmm. We were on, what is it, River, South River Street, Pearl mm-hmm. Street, River Pearl, whatever that, Red River, yep. where Stubbs is. Yes. Uh, you were walking this way, and I was walking that way. This is not a Dagnasty song, by the way. <laughs> and um, you were just sort of wandering. I was like, oh, what's up? Where are you going? And he's like, I don't know. I'm going to go see this band over here. And I was like, you're coming with me. And we went to go see Off. Oh, it was the greatest moment ever. <laughs> Steven still brings this up all the time. Like it, it was like so much life. fun. So like, I grab him by, the, like, you know, we're, we're walking, you know, shoulder to shoulder down. Psyched. Get to the venue. We get in. I don't even know how, maybe we both knew somebody. I don't know. We got into the yeah, show. There was somebody else there. Yeah. I don't know. And we see off, and then um, they, they, were, they were phenomenal. Yeah, so good. You know, Mario Rupakal was playing drums. Like, they, they're just phenomenal. And then afterwards, we see that they're selling, like, this limited edition 7-inch, and, uh, like, on blue vinyl. So me and Steven both go, and we buy it. And after we buy it, we bought it from some, you know, whoever was selling merch. And then... Literally two minutes later, Keith Morris comes and he starts selling the merch. And we just both look at each other like, are you kidding me? Like we bought it from this person who's nobody and like everyone else gets to buy it from Keith Morris. And like he's sitting there and he's signing and he's shaking hands. He's like, you know, saying, hey, and like I never met Keith Morris. Like I'd like to meet Keith Morris. Yeah. So we both go back and we do the total fanboy thing. We're like, he starts it and he's good at this. You know, like he doesn't seem like a fanboy. And he's just like, hey, man, like. You know, you mind signing my 7-inch? So he signs his 7-inch, like, Keith Morris. And I was like, oh, man, now I'm going to have the same thing as you. Like, So he wrote on my 7-inch, not the same, Keith Morris. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. He was hilarious. That was a good moment. We've was, had some good moments was together. A very, very good moment. See, all these. Yeah. All these are good ones. So now you're just making me feel like a dick about getting your band's name wrong. <laughs> you know what? You know why I got it wrong? Because as I was taking the train here this morning, there's um, a... a youtube video and someone wrote i hate your freedom and so that's where it's uh, clicking in my head that's where it changed i'm bad at that anyway it's a common mistake it's a really weird name where did it come it? from yeah is that from the david cross yeah thing? Okay. it's from david cross uh when now, you ask i feel even worse because <clears throat> i love that it's not as weird as what i originally typed which is i hat our freedom <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of cool uh do i need to google that now <laughs> that could be a cool merch idea for yeah. you guys we um <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you know, going back to where you asked how I hate our friend started, it was with in the in the van for instruction, and Joe and I just being on tour and getting to know each other and realizing we both love Drive Like Jehu and we both love all these other bands, and it was it was mostly Drive Like Jehu, and we we're like, we should start a band that sounds exactly like Drive Like Jehu, and we did, and then <laughs> we were like, what are we going to call this band? And we we would listen to that David Cross record every day in the van and. That part is just so great. He's like, I hate all freedom. <laughs> and it's just like, how could like it was touring the country at that time? You know, it was a, it was around the time of the Republican National Convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, politics were just like kind of really important, but kind of hokey at the same time. Like George Bush made everything not real. It seemed. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not getting too political on this, but it was just like, let's name it. I hate all freedom. No one will think anything of it. Years later, now it's kind of a weird name to have. Does David Cross know? I heard he knows. I heard he was flattered. I've seen him a few times, and every time I get total starstruck and fanboy, 
and I want to be like, hey, dude, I named my band after you, but I don't want to be that dude. Well, next time I'm there with you, we'll get it. We'll yeah. Because he, he used to come to Little Frankie's all the time, oh. and I sort of missed Like, it was after we named a band after that, after I would see him, like, every day. And he knew who I was, and he'd come in, and he'd be like, oh, hey. But now, you know, he has no clue who I am. It's just some dude with a beard, you know, like, comes up to him, like, hey, man, named my band after something you said. <laughs> I, I know for a fact his now wife, big Jawbreaker fan. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think cause she, she showed up at Fuse one time, and she had this, they said, oh, she has, there's all these bands she likes, and she had this list, and I went, oh, we're going to be fine. Interview's going to be great. <laughs> and But she was super young. I mean, she's super young now, but I remember thinking at the time, like, how'd you get into Jawbreaker? It's been a little while for that. So whoever your older sister is or brother, well done. Yeah. Good work on that. So I, I Hate Our Freedom has a new record coming out. We do. On which label? I Surrender. Right on. Who also has I Am the Avalanche. Is that Rob Hit? Yep. Oh, right on. I don't think Rob realized all the eyes that he's had in the last couple of years. <laughs> I still don't think he does. Like, I was on the website yesterday. It was like, I Surrender Records with I Hate Our Freedom and I Am the Avalanche. <laughs> when, I think it's kind of fun. When is that coming out? December 25th. Okay. Oh, cool. Good. Because no one will be able to go to a store and buy it. <laughs> Stores are open on December 20th. No, they're not. Yes, they are. I believe it's called Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> record stores don't open. Cert- uh, yeah, they are. Yes. Okay. Because there's, 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 there's like so many record stores now. <laughs> <and> it's, <laughs> it's, it's Best Buy. They're there. Is Best Buy even still around? Yeah, and now no. they sell gear. Now they sell musical instruments. Oh, my God. Things. It's the worst because in my right where there's a Best Buy in my neighborhood, there is a music store not far, and I just feel so bad. Because I'm like, well, they're, they're, yeah. their drums are, are better way... better not go buy anything at Best Buy. I'm not going. I can beat you. I won't do it. <laughs> but what if the sale's really good? Dude, it's, you've got to listen to me. You know I'm a geek. <laughs> I get flyers. I need a hard drive. It's so cheap. Best Buy's right there. You've got to resist because they're actually, they are actually evil. Is I'll it? say this right now on our podcast. <laughs> Best, now, Best Buy. Buy does tons of like bait and switch kind of stuff. They like they're notorious for it. Just do a search. Are Google they like are they like Home it. Depot where if you buy this if you buy this washer and dryer at Home Depot and not at Sears, the inside of the guts is is less is is not as good as say you bought it from Sears. And like that's why they can sell it so cheap because it's made they can sell you crappy stuff. Is Best Buy like that? Best Buy is has been documented doing straight up bait and switch okay. which is like they run a, an ad for like an item at a certain price you show up and the salesman's like has already been you know taught to say like oh yeah well we're out of that but we have this or oh that or stuff like actually like no that was a misprint hmm. do a search you'll see so it's the oh. opposite of best yeah, i'm learning stuff right worst now. buy mm. trust me i've <laughs> like it's really hard to resist because they're everywhere it's like somebody telling you like yeah you can't get coffee from starbucks anymore i'm sorry you're like fuck. So good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, what's the record called? This year's best disaster. I know. Which is also a really horrible name. I like With that er- name. It was really good up until like I guess I've been really involved in like all the sandy stuff, and it's like. I'm doing all this sort yeah. of press for I Hate Alfredo. It's so weird for me right now. And it's just like, oh, God. It's like it's like naming the band I Hate Alfredo. And it's like, oh, now we're naming it this year's best disaster after the biggest thing to hit, you know, <laughs> yeah. New York and New Jersey. And it's just like, it sucks. After the actual best disaster. Yeah. It actually has nothing to do with real disasters. But uh, 
It makes it keeps making me think about it because it's been on my mind so much. Yeah, so. the timing. It might be okay though. It might be you know by December twenty fifth. It might be. I, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to really put it together. <laughs> I'll be buying it down in uh, the Rockways. What about Primitive Weapons? Uh, Primitive Weapons, we're writing a new record right now, um, which hopefully we'll go and record sometime around January or February. Oh, cool. With uh, Dean Batalunas again. And <clears throat> just excited. Like, the, the songwriting has been... It's, it's been a really fun process. Now, in all the bands, are you one of the main songwriters? Is it a collective? Is there one it's guy? It's all collective. Like, I had, you know, it's who has the time, when and where. Um, you know, Primitive Weapons already pretty much comes up with the riffs, and he brings it to the band. You know, he'll sit down with Aram and play drums, and then he'll, they'll bring it all to us, and then collectively we all put our own little signature on it. Just adding to another of our great moments, musical moments we've had together, I, your presence was felt. I just knew you were going to be there. I, I didn't even have to text, call, email, what have you, but quicksand <laughs> at uh, Music Hall of Williamsburg. I just knew you were going to be there, and the show was over, and I was out just basking in the utter delight of it all, and I saw you there, and it was kind of like, yep. That's the thing when you guys were talking about all these moments you had together. I'm like, I feel like I'm around Justin so much. I don't even remember specific. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, you and I, we probably see each other a lot more, and especially in the last couple of years since mm. you know Steve's moved out right. of the city and he's he's got children now. And it's like it's special when I see him. And I've not that it's not special, <laughs> but you now live two blocks away from yes, me. Yes, that's true. You know, and it's like we have lots of special moments as well. <laughs> Does it sound like I'm like a jealous girlfriend or something? <laughs> We've done stuff too. <laughs> we, yeah, we're friends. Uh, we were at Rose Rock together. Yes, we were at Rose Rock together oh in Belgium. Yep. Did you play? No, I was with uh, Taking Back Sunday. Okay. I had to get like pep talks before the show. Yeah, I was like, United so Nations freaked played. out. Yes. You, were like, you were like this the whole Dude, time. I never, that was 20 times bigger crowd than I had ever played in front of. It's huge, right? And, and didn't um, Tom play it? Yeah, Tom yep. played second guitar. It was me, Ben, Tom, Lucas, and Jeff. That's bonkers. Yeah. I had fun. one of those moments. I played, um, I was on tour again with so much Taken Back Sunday right now. It's, mm. it's all right. Yeah, it's we, had, we had uh, Adam and John in not too long ago. Oh, really? They sat oh, yeah, no, I, I would just listen to it. Oh, really? Like, yeah, <laughs> I just listened to it. What'd you think having toured with them? Having toured? Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I love those guys. Okay. I think they're. And I mean, what you think of the episode we did? I thought it was fun. Okay, I'm curious. I've, I've been meaning to email people. I know they're. Oh no, to the I band love. I love listening talk. to Adam tell stories. Ah, he's, he's a funny dude. Yeah, he really is. He's really funny. Um, and it's something. I mean, you get that on stage, like at their show, like you can sort of see his personality. But when he's off stage and you're actually friends with him and you sit down, it's like you get that sort of like goofiness. But then you get the sincerity as well, mm -hmm. and it's 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 really special. I like that dude a lot. He, so you toured with them a whole bunch. Yeah. How'd you meet Eddie? Uh, at a quicksand show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Justin Skirty! <laughs> uh, I love how he ends talking about quicksand. Like that. That's one of the few podcasts for those of you listening. There are things we do cut out. Uh, Justin, just we just kind of rock through that one. Yeah, it's I mean, fantastic. That mm. dude's full of. If gold. you're in New York, go to his bar, Saint Vitus. You never know who's going to play there unless you look up online at the schedule, like anyone smart would do. Uh, check out his band. I hate our freedom. They have a new record out on I Surrender. Primitive Weapons is writing right now. He told us, um, and who knows? You'll probably see him on stage somewhere, changing a string.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.